Okay, all right, so today's, uh, we're gonna, today's sermon, we're going to be in 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9. We're going to read the entire chapter. Uh, but before we get there, you can go and start turning your Bible. Before we get there uh, to read today, I just want to kind of look at, at a couple of things. Kind of it's all playing together of what we just explained with Craig and what we had, uh, Mike had just come, come up and we all have an opportunity to go out into the community and show that love to this woman, and then Beth had kind of just walked up right before, uh, you know, I got up here a while ago. Was was so yesterday we were able to give 127 plates away at our community meal. So praise God for that. I think that's the most we've ever given away. Um, so the need is rising in the community because we, uh, I think we saw a little more than normal last week, and we saw even more uh, than normal yesterday. So the need is rising. Uh, but Beth was telling me that she had uh, took a plate to a lady, and before she had went to to meet this lady yesterday, she was kind of, me and her were talking, and this lady really wasn't receptive or maybe maybe kind of a little on the, the bitter side of, of what Beth had known, but um, Beth was kind of extending a hand of kindness to this lady, and she come back this morning and said, hey, you'll never believe what happened. I took this plate over to this lady, and she was filled with joy, just uh, me coming and, and giving this plate. I think she said if Beth wouldn't have came, she'd have had either a frozen lunch, so she was just grateful, and I thank Beth for kind of extending her hand out to this woman because you never know what that act of kindness uh, would, would do in this lady's life, and that kind of leads right into what we're going to talk about today, and it's amazing as we always say how God uh, shows and puts all things together. It's a puzzle piece that he puts together, uh, but before we get into today's scripture, I just want to read uh, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, and I think a lot of y'all know what this is. Uh, we had a sermon series on it, what, a couple years ago, and that's where everybody was posting, hey, say the fruit of the Spirit, and everybody had to walk through. But uh, Galatians 5.22, and it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such things there is no law. And notice it's not the fruits, it's the fruit. All of these things that, that are in uh, Galatians 5, 22 and 23, or what we do as believers in Christ in showing that outward outward appearance of what has happened on the inward side of us. And those things as believers, we walk with, with Christ. We are to have that fruit in our life, not just one of them. And it's not just about picking which one we're good at or saying, hey, which one we're not good at, but it's about having all of those things. It's about being the complete fruit uh, that God has called us to be. And as, as talked about earlier, some of those things that we've talked about. Um, and I just want to, we're not going to be able to get into all of them, but I want us to look specifically at uh, a, a story today that kind of exemplifies the, the kindness. And, um, and as we look into this story, you know, a lot of times we may read what the fruit of the Spirit is, but I think sometimes in the way that the world would define some of those words, because those are words that define how we as believers in Christ and things that we're to do, the world would define them differently than how God would intend for us to see them. And so what I want to do is I want us to look at a story in the Old Testament of what true kindness looks like. Because the way that the world would say kindness needs to be is not necessarily the way God had intended. Because a lot of times the kindness of the world, there's strings attached, as we would say, lack of a better words. Because a lot of times the world shows kindness to be shown kindness, right? We show kindness and we do things for other people because we think or what we expect is them to do something for us. Or I need to do something kind for this brother or sister because they're always doing something for me. But for what about, what about those people that are not able to do anything for you? What about those people that, that are not able to be kind back? What about, what about those people that don't have self-control, that don't have patience? What are we supposed to do with those? And that's kind of in this story. We're going to see uh, some of that today. And I think we all can agree in here today, and that most people of the world would agree that they want to be good. They want to be good people. I mean, there is folks out there that don't want to be good, that want to be uh, bad all the time. But for most of you in here, you want to be good. You want to do good things. You want to do good things for your family. You want to do good things for others. But it's not just about being good. It's not just about doing good things, but what it's more about is us being godly. Just because we're good, just because we have the desire to do good things, 
doesn't mean we're godly. doesn't mean we have the desire or true desire to be like God. You know, as I look at a marriage, a lot of, a lot of the women in here, you may want a good man. You may want your man to be good, but you have to ask yourself, do you want him to be godly? Because there's a difference. Because if a man's truly godly, there's where the true sacrifice begins. Because you can be a good man and have all of these other things in your life and do, do this and you can, you can have all this extracurricular here. But, be, but to be a godly man, there's a sacrifice of all of that other stuff. You can't, ha- you can't be godly. You can't serve two masters. So in, to, in order for us to be a godly thing, there's, there's things that we may have to set aside, things that we may at the current time put before Christ. And in a marriage, even when you have a godly man, that godly man is going to put God before the spouse. He's not going to put the, the, you before the spouse, or the spouse isn't going to put each other. So we're to, we're to desire a godly marriage, as we had talked about uh, about a month ago at the, at the marriage retreat. So 2 Samuel uh, chapter 9, and this is the story of David and Mephibosheth. Who thinks I can spell that? I don't even know if I got it spelled right here on my name, but... I think if we ever have another little boy, which you don't ever know, I think I may call him Mephibosheth. <laughs> Mephibosheth. I could look at it right here and then try to spell it, and I'd misspell it. So we're going to talk about this story, and this is a story in the Old Testament with King David. And a lot of us know these, these old stories, as a lot of us have grew up in church, uh, David and Goliath, knowing the ark, um, these stories that we know a lot about. But this is one of those stories that, um, some of us know about, but a lot of us haven't really heard a lot about it. But it is one of those stories that we need to become more familiar with because we can learn a lot uh, from this story of David and Mephibosheth, and we can actually see what that fruit looks like in this story, and we're going to see that today. Acts 13, 20, 22 says, God said that uh, David was a man after his own heart. David was a man after his own heart, and we're going to see that today. And you and I, uh, what are we to be? We're to be like David was. We're to pursue after the things of God. We're to desire and to set our standard to what God would call us to be. So um, let's, uh, let's go ahead and get started into the word today. If you would, please stand. So we're going to start in verse 1. We're going to read all the way through chapter 9. And David said, Is there still anyone left? of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. And there was a servant of the house of Saul, whose name was Ziba, and they called him to David. And the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, I am your servant. And the king said, Is there still, is there not still someone of the house of Saul, that I may show the kindness of God to him? And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is crippled in his feet. The king said to him, Where is he? And Ziba said to the king, He is in the house of Maker of the son of Emil at Lodabar. And, the, and, the, and King David sent and brought him from the house of Maker, the son of Emil at Lodabar. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan, and I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. And he paid homage and said, What is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? And then the king called Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, All that belong to Saul and all his house I have given to your master's grandson, and you and your sons and your servants shall till the land for him and shall bring in produce that your master's grandson, grandson may have bread to eat. But Mephibosheth, your master's grand, grandson, shall always eat at my table. Notice we just sang the song. And that was a, uh, we'll talk a little more about that in just a second. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. And then Ziba said to the king, According to all that my lord the king commands, his servant, so will your servant do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. 
And all who lived in Ziba's house became Mephibosheth's servants. So Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate always at the king's table. Now he was lame in both feet. Let's pray. Our Father, Lord, we just thank you for this day, Lord. We just thank you for uh, such a good service already, Lord. We thank you for the worship. We thank you for our worship team. And uh, Lord, I just pray for the people. Lord, I pray as we, we came today, it wasn't a beginning of worship. Uh, Lord, and when we leave today, I pray that it doesn't stop. But Lord, I pray that it's only a continuation of wor worshiping the great king that you are, Father. And Lord, I just pray for the truth as it goes forward today. Lord, I pray as we get into your word. Uh, Lord, it is not what Dustin has to say. It's not the opinions of, of what I think. But Lord, I pray that it, it's your truth that goes forward. And Lord, that we see in this story what you would have us to see. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So before we, we kind of get into it, I just want to set a, set a background of what happened and where we're at uh, in this story today. So David is a king in this story. Who knows who the first king was? Anybody know who the first king was? What was his name? Saul. Yes, I heard it. All right, so Saul was the very first king that Israel had. And Israel, what did they want? They wanted to be like the other nations, and they wanted God to give them a king. So God gave them King Saul. Uh, once Saul became a king, uh, he, he, there, there in the beginning he'd done some things that were right, but he soon began to do things that, that God didn't approve of, that, that were disobedient to God. So in all of that, God had sent an evil spirit uh, to Saul. And this evil spirit, whatever you want to call it, tormented uh, King Saul. And the only way that, that King Saul would get this evil spirit to, to kind of back away or, or, or leave him alone is he would call a young boy. Uh, by, by the name of David and David would play an instrument and once David would play this instrument this harp, this, this evil spirit would, would leave King Saul that would torment him and as David began to, to do this and, and Saul began to have a liking uh, for David and he began to um, uh, use him in his kingdom but not only that did Saul begin to, to like David but also Jonathan, Jonathan Saul's son uh, developed a, a friendship with David, and they too grew close. Uh, but in all of this, as, as David continued to be a part of, of the kingdom uh, that Saul was leading, uh, God would uh, allow David to, to be successful in what he did. And in all of that, David didn't, I meant Saul didn't like that. So but Saul, uh, Saul began to resent David, and ultimately, uh, as we're going to read here in just a second, uh, he would try to kill David. Um, also, so, so in the story, you've got Mephibosheth. I want to go ahead and set this background as well. And some of you may wonder, well, how did Mephibosheth become uh, crippled in his feet? But it's not what we just read, but if you write it down or you can look later, uh, 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4, uh, lets us know how Mephibosheth become lame. And I'll read that. And it says, Jonathan, the son of Saul, had, had a son who was crippled in his feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came uh, to Jezreel. And his nurse took him up and fled, and she fled in her haste. And he fell and became lame, and his name was Mephibosheth. So as they, they got the news that came back to him that Jonathan and, and Saul had died in war, uh, she took him up in fear and fled. And while they were fleeing, he fell and became lame in his feet. So that's kind of the background of how we, we got here today because I think it's important for us to understand that uh, to really grasp uh, the truth and what God would want us to see in this story. So now we're years down the road in the story of David and Mephibosheth. And what I've got is I've kind of got, I've broken it down. I'm a point man, so I've kind of broken it down just to help me better prepare and hopefully help y'all better to understand. But we're going to start there. And as in, in verse 1, it says, And David said, Is there still anyone left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? So the first thing that, that we see in this story is we all know kind of who David is and how probably busy this man is, but he is expressing to his people that he wants them to find this or someone so that he can show an act of kindness uh, to this. And then they come back to him and they let him know, hey, there is still a person of the house of Jonathan, which is Jonathan again, 
is Saul's son, which ultimately uh, Saul is Mephibosheth's grandfather. But the first thing that we can know that David was trying to do and we can see in this act of kindness of David is true kindness is not affected by the past, present, or the future. True kindness is not affected by the past, present, or future. And we're able to see that in this story with David. And just kind of, I want to, I'll walk through that a little bit of, of the past and how, how true kindness is not affected by the past. But think about what we were talking about earlier and how uh, Saul, he became uh, where, to the point of where he didn't really like David. Uh, and he began to, uh, you know, try to kill him. But yet, even all of those things that had tried to happen, even all of those things that Saul had wanted to do to David, David still desired to show an act of kindness to the house of Jonathan or the house of Saul. So I, I went back through as I was reading through this, and, and we can all say, well, yeah, he tried to kill him one time, or he tried to kill him twice. You know, uh, how many times did he really try to kill him? So I went back and, and looked actually in here and wrote them all down of how many times uh, Saul tried to kill David. So I'll walk through it. You can write them down, but you can go back and double-check me if you want. But this is what I found. All right, 1 Samuel chapter 18 and verse 11. Uh, and this kind of sets the background and helps us understand that true kindness doesn't, is not affected by the past. Saul attempts to kill David with a, a spear. Verse, uh, chapter 19, verse 1, Saul orders servants to kill David. Chapter 19, verse 10, uh, Saul attempts with a spear. Chapter 19, verse 11, Saul sends messengers to kill David. Chapter 19, verse 15, Saul sends messengers to bring him back. Chapter 19, verse 20, Saul sends messengers. Chapter 19, verse 21, Saul sends messengers again. 19, verse 22, Saul goes himself in an attempt to kill David. Chapter 23, verse, uh, verse 15, Saul sought David in the wilderness. And then the last one is chapter 26 and verse 2, Saul seeks David again. How many times was that I just read? Anybody count them? Ten times, yes. So ten times Saul tried to kill David. And we all probably know the story of that one time whenever they were in the cave and David saw uh, Saul and, and David had these opportunities to kill Saul, but he chose not to do that. But if you think of that story and you think of, of put yourself in that story, how many of you, if, if you had somebody try to kill you ten times, would, you, would it be your desire to show, show a true act of kindness or would you be like me and try to stay away from that person? Hey, stay clear, stay clear. But we got to know that Saul is, is no longer alive here now, but even you know, in that, would it be your desire to show a true act of kindness to them after the numerous times that they tried or he tried to kill him? So we can see that and we can, and we can know that, that uh, true kindness is not affected by the past and the things that have been done to us. But if you think of all the kingdoms of, of the Old Testament, think about kings that, that ruled there. A lot of times they would go and they would, they would kill the family of the previous ruler just so that there wouldn't be a possible uprising. But in this situation is David had an, a legit opportunity to go and kill uh, the rest of this family because they were trying to kill him, or at least Saul was. But David chose not to do that because remember, as I said in Acts uh, chapter 13, that David had the desire and he was a man after God's own heart. But not only is true kindness not affected by the past, but true kindness is not affected by the present. And we can, we can a, lot, a lot of us can relate to this today because think of King David. He's running a kingdom here. There's a lot of things that King David could be doing. Uh, it's, it wasn't something that he probably had a lot of free time. You know, if anything else, he could be going out and ruling more land or trying to conquer more areas. But not only that, I'm sure he had uh, things in his, in his life. He had a family. He had a kingdom. He had uh, fame opportunities, I'm sure, uh, to, to make himself become or have more fame for himself. So as we look at this story, we can probably say that David didn't have a lot of a free time, but yet he was intentional about showing this act of kindness. And as I was reading this story, and I began to think of that, and I began to think of my life and, and how it seems like a lot of the, the world is today is a lot of us in trying to serve God, a lot of us in bearing fruit, 
We only try to do that when it's convenient for us. Because if you really think of it, we all can find something to do, right? We all, we all can find something uh, to, to help ourselves, a selfish thing to do, uh, whether we want to sit out on the out back or whether we want to sit down and watch TV. There's always no time is ever convenient a lot of times whenever we're trying to, to bear the fruit uh, for God. But as I was thinking of this story and I was thinking about how busy uh, that, that David was, it made me realize that these things that God, the, the fruit that God has called us to be is something we have to do when the time's not convenient or when the time is convenient. But a lot of times we, we fail to do that, and I'm guilty of that. And I think, uh, uh, you know, this week we had a, a thing come up uh, for a brother that was in need, and, and you know, in a lot of this that we, we failed to, to help this brother in the way that he needed to be helped. And, but a lot of it boils down to, uh, are, are we willing to take time out of our busy schedules, even though we've got this and that, and we've, we, we've got all this stuff going on, are we willing to take time of our busy schedule to show a true act of kindness? Are we willing to take time to be there for a brother or sister in Christ? Not only do they have to be a brother and sister, but say we're out somewhere and we see somebody in need, are we so busy that we can't take time to show that act of kindness? I mean, I'm sure yesterday as, as Beth had, had been up here all morning, um, you know, helping fix the food, and no matter, they probably worked Friday, and these ladies fix this food, and it takes time. But as Beth was, was leaving here yesterday, I'm sure she could have went home and took her a nap or whatever, but she chose to take time out of her, her day to go and show this act of kindness to this lady that may not be appreciative once she got there but she knew how important it was to go and be there for that lady. And we don't know, uh, we know the response of what that lady says, but in her heart, we don't know what else that could have done. We don't know that whatever she was battling, that could have changed her heart or changed her desire through that one act of kindness that, that Beth had showed this lady. So in that, in the present times, a true act of kindness doesn't, doesn't only apply when it's convenient for us, but it also applies when we have to make that sacrifice when it's not convenient when we have to put our personal things aside to do the things of God. Because remember, it's not just about being good, it's about being godly. And when we truly desire to be godly, we have to make sacrifices for those things that um, have to do with ourselves. So not only is true kindness affected by the past, not only is it affected by the present, but it's not affected by the future either. Because think about in all of this, and we're going to read on down this story, and you're going to see what all David truly does for Mephibosheth. But think about what David was sacrificing here. It was going to cost him money. And you're going to see why in a minute of all this that he provided for Mephibosheth. But not only did it cost him money, but it may have cost him fame. Not that David was concerned with fame, but the way of the world today, a lot of people want, to want the fame. But by doing this act of kindness, it was, it was pulling David back away from doing great things to do this small thing, right? A lot of us today, we want to do the great things in life. We want to, even for the church, we want to do great things for the Lord. But a lot of times it's those small things that we need to do. We need to show that, that love and kindness uh, for one another. And then also in the future, it could have cost, it could cost David shame. You're thinking, well, how in the world could that cost him shame? But think about all that Saul may have had done to different people, had done to the family of David and what they thought about that and, and David showing kindness to this man that didn't deserve it and how they would probably say, David, you're wrong for doing that. You shouldn't do that. But David wasn't concerned with that. And as I was thinking about this, this piece here, I thought about uh, the story of Zacchaeus. That's another one of those uh, stories that we're, we grew up with and how all of those people and Zacchaeus when Jesus came through and all those people were, were saying, hey, you shouldn't go to the house of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus does this, he does that. But Zacchaeus didn't care about what all the other people were saying because his eyes were focused on Christ. And you and I, we shouldn't care whatever. If God has called us to do something, if we have that true desire to be godly uh, men and women, we shouldn't care about what everybody else should say. If we're here in worship, and we've heard this before, if we're in here in worshiping Christ, we shouldn't care about what other thinks because we raise our hand, because we, uh, we get on our face and worship Christ here in the front of the room. I can admit that sometimes that is weird. 
that you see Brandon up here and you see men up here laying on the, on the, on the floor and, and it's just laid out before God. But that's what God has called us to do. We're weird. If you truly worship God, as Brandon says before, some of the things that we do is weird. But our desire is truly to be more like God has called us to be. I mean, have you ever heard of a bunch of men? You see this. Have you ever wondered what this is up here for? Anybody know what this is here for? What? Yeah. So this, what we do on Wednesday night at 930, after most of y'all are in the bed, we'll come in here a lot of times and we'll light this candle. There's about 10 or 12 men that will come in here and pray on Wednesday night. And a lot of those men a lot of times are praying for you. But we'll come in here and we'll light this candle. And if you were ever to walk in here on a Wednesday night around 10, 30, or 11 o'clock, you're probably going to see this candle lit and you're going to see a bunch of bodies laying on the floor in here with the lights out. So it's, and it, it, it gets pitch dark in here. And even one night I tripped over Mark over here coming in the door. But, uh, but I say all that just to say because these men, they go through life. They go through each week and we struggle throughout the week. But what we can do is we can come in here and we can truly seek the Lord. We can truly be with our brothers and we can, be, we can share those sins that we're struggling. Because what's the Bible say to do? It says to confess your sins one to another. And all of that happens, but it's these men just coming and trying to, to get closer to God, to be more godly men, not just be good, and not concerned about what's happening in the past, in the present, in the future. But they're striving to be uh, more like God and be what God has called us to be. So number two, the first one is the true act of kindness is not affected by the past, present, or future. Number two, true kindness is not associated with being deserved. True kindness is not associated with being deserved. Verse three, and the king said, is there, still, is there not still someone of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God to him? And Ziba said to the king, there's still a son of Jonathan, and he is crippled in his feet. You see, Mephibosheth, I think I'd had a, a picture or something. I'd found some animation or something. But Mephibosheth, he was crippled in both of his feet, as we've seen in, in um, uh, chapter 4, verse 4, and how he, was, he had failed as, as his nurse was trying to flee. So you've got to, in this, and in, in, uh, true kindness not being deserved, look at this man here that, that's crippled in both feet. Not only was he probably crippled in both feet, but he was, he was not wealthy. Uh, a lot of, as I was reading through this, a lot of scholars say he was probably fearful of his life, of what David may do to him. So he was probably in hiding uh, somewhere, just afraid of what would happen. And there was nothing that this man that was crippled, that this man that didn't have no money, could give back to David, but yet David still desired to show an act of kindness uh, to this man. Right? There was nothing he could do. Think of David. David had it all. He had all the money, wealth, fame, whatever. He had it all. God had, had given that to him, but yet he had reached out to this man with a desire to show a true act of kindness. And we can learn from this story. We can look at this story because a lot of us today, are we like this? Are we like David? And showing a, a true act of kindness and trying to be kind to someone that may not can necessarily be kind back to us, that maybe can't give us something back. You know, that house that, that Mike and him is going to go and work on here in a couple of weeks, that lady's not going to be able to give them anything back. She can't go and help them clean their house or, or whatever. But you see, those men are not going to receive something back. They're not going to show a true act of kindness so that this lady can do something back for them. But a true act of kindness is, is built off of that love for God and, and for us to try and be more like God and be godly men and show that. And in this, we're able to, to see that with David. As I said earlier, we're, uh, we're able, you know, a lot of times we limit ourselves into showing that because of it's not convenience, because it's not deserving. Uh, we, a lot of times we may say, well, we don't need to do something for them because they don't do nothing for us. Or I've heard this before, and I, I'm not saying that I've never been guilty of this, but I've heard this before as well. As well, you know, we go week in and week out, and we serve these people, we do this for these people, but we never get a thank you. We never, we never, and, and I'm, I'm a firm believer of thanking people uh, for what they do because I am truly grateful for 
folks that, that serve the Lord in ministries. But the question we have to ask, is that truly why we're doing that? Are we doing something because we want someone to give us thankfulness? Because I can say a true act of kindness isn't determined or is it, it doesn't build off of receiving that thank you from someone. And about a month ago, well, it was more than a month ago, uh, it was our Thanksgiving meal. We see a lot of stuff out here when we're uh, doing the community meal. But these ladies had decided to do a Thanksgiving meal and feed this community. So they spent hours and hours cooking turkeys, cooking dressing, and all the other sides that, that come with a, a Thanksgiving meal. So we opened up at 11 o'clock, and we had some folks start coming through. And it was either the first car or the second car that came through this line. And uh, some of y'all probably are smiling that was there and know what this gentleman said. But I can't remember who it was that walked out to the car to see how many plates they needed. And this gentleman, his response is we told him what we were having. His response back to us was, well, I want two hot dogs. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> you initially think, especially these, these ladies here, and you initially think, uh, how, would, how do I respond to that? But, uh, you know, you're in your flesh, you're probably thinking, man, I just spent all of this time. These ladies have been cooking this food for two days now, and the first thing you're going to say is, you want a hot dog? But as I begin to think, and of course we didn't say that, but I begin to think of, of God, why, why, why did that happen? Why did, you, why did you allow me to experience that? And, and I begin to think of that man, and I, I, I actually know the man, and God began just to reveal to me that, hey, maybe that man don't know how to show kindness because he's never been shown kindness. Maybe he grew up a life of where, uh, he was never shown that kindness of God. He was never shown that love of God. Maybe he don't know how to be thankful. But I say all that to say just because we go and we do these things and, and in bearing this, this fruit and in becoming more godly, don't ex always expect to receive that thankfulness. We don't do it because those people deserve it. We don't do it from what we're going to receive back from them. We do it because of what God has done for us. And no matter if we get a thank you, no matter if, if they can come and help us, if we've got folks that come through the line back there and get food every week, but yet uh, we know that they've got maybe more money than we got, that's not for us to determine. It's not for us to say, hey, you can't have that money. You, you've got, I mean, you can't have that food. You've got plenty of money. God didn't call us to do that. God called us to serve. He didn't call us to judge those people. So we're going to serve. We're going to show that act, act of kindness uh, to those people and allow God to move in that way as we see in this story of how David uh, showed that act of kindness to Mephibosheth. So the, th the second thing is, is true kindness is not associated with being deserved. It's about us having that desire and that ability to, to show and be there for others. The third thing, true kindness is impactful. True kindness is impactful. Verse 6, as we're kind of moving on down. And Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, son of Saul, came to David and fell on his face and paid homage. And homage is special honor or, and I, I jotted this down so for those that, that didn't know, it's a special honor or respect shown publicly is what homage is. David fell on his face and paid homage. And David said, Mephibosheth, and he answered, Behold, I am your servant. And David said to him, Do not fear, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan, and I will restore to you all the land of Saul, your father, and you shall eat at my table always. So think of Mephibosheth as he came to David and uh, he got there. Think about what was going through his mind as we've already talked before and as we know by the response of, of King David, he said, Hey, Mephibosheth, don't fear. You don't have to fear me. I'm not here to, to hurt you. And you can, you can, so in, in whenever Mephibosheth was called to the king, it wasn't optional for him. You could say when the king called you, you went. And as he was going to, to see the king and he came before him, uh, uh, King David assured Mephibosheth that he wasn't here to hurt him, that he was here to show him kindness. And you can imagine the, the immediate response from Mephibosheth as he just like took a deep breath and like thank you Lord 
Thank you that this, this king is, is not going to kill me as, as he knew, I'm sure, of what uh, had happened in the past between Saul um, and, and King David at the time. Once, once explained and once Mephibosheth uh, knew that David was not going to kill him and he knew that he was going to show him act of kindness, look on down in verse 8 and see at that time what Mephibosheth did. He said, what is your servant, at the end of verse 8 there, he says, what is your servant that you should show regard for a dead dog such as I? What is your servant that you should show kindness for a dead dog such as I? And you see that story and you begin to think of Mephibosheth and I begin to think of how this man was, was probably treated out into the world that he lived in as he was a crippled man as there's no telling what folks had said to him uh, as he was little. Now that he was a man, he probably felt like he was unworthy. He probably felt like that he couldn't contribute back to the world or, or give back. Uh, I'm sure that many folks probably had let him know, hey, you know, you're, you're probably not as the world we live in today. You probably see some of this as well, but they probably made him feel like, as, as you see here, uh, like a dead dog such as I, like there's nothing you can give back. So once he realized, and he, this is starting to impact him, this, this act of kindness from David, he began to ask questions about why. Why are you this great king with all of this stuff and all these things that my grandfather had done to you, why do you desire to show that kindness? Why, do you, why are you doing these things? And he's probably trying to think in his mind of, of why. Why is this happening? As then he asked David of why are you showing uh, this, this kindness to a dead dog such as I. So true kindness is impactful. True kindness is something that people in today's world, as I was just saying about the story with the, the man that come through the line, it's something that our people need to see. The people of this world uh, need to see this. Because it's an impactful thing that, you know, a lot of times whenever we respond in the world we live in, uh, you know, responding with hate or, or li not liking someone or just going out of your way to do something for someone else. People expect that, right? They expect people to be selfish in their ways, to be only concerned about themselves. But when we as followers of Christ, when we strive to be more godly, when we bear fruit, that makes a difference that people see. Because those old things, those old ways of the world have washed away and new things have come. And those people begin to recognize those things. As Mephibosheth did here and, and just wondering, question why. And that, I'm sure that gave David the opportunity to, to tell and show Mephibosheth of why he was doing that for him. So true kindness is impactful. And then the fourth thing, true kindness is lasting. True kindness is lasting. Verse 13, as we get down to the, the end of the chapter there, I think it's actually the very last verse. And it says, so Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem, for he ate always at the king's table. Now he was lame in both feet. So not only did David do this, uh, a true act of kindness that was, okay, you can eat with me one time, or let me give you this, and then you go back on your way. But what did David tell Mephibosheth? That you can eat at my table always. There's always a place for you to sit down here and eat at my table. So not only, and in looking at that, for us, true kindness is something that should be lasting for us. It should be something that, that doesn't just happen now and then. It, sh it shouldn't be something we should strive to do, but it should be something of, it's who we are. As believers in Christ, as that true transformation, as we're, uh, we have the Holy Spirit in us, this fruit, the fruit of the Spirit is not what we continually strive to do. But ultimately, it is who we are as believers in Christ. But a true act of kindness is something that's lasting in us. It should be something that whenever I think of Robert or whenever I think of Keith, I should know that, hey, this brother's like this. This brother has this in his life. This brother loves me. This brother's a servant. I should never look at somebody. We should never look at each other not knowing what we're going to get. Well, sometimes he does this, but you never know. He may go off on the deep end on this side. True kindness and those bearing the fruit and, and striving to be like God is, is not about running sprints. What's the Bible say? It's a marathon. It's like running a race that never stops. We should continue to move forward. 
So not only is that true kindness for us something we continue to do, but for others, true kindness is something others should continue to see in us. They should continue to see in us. They should con- uh, we should uh, continue to see others do that. And we're able to see that in the story of Mephibosheth as David not only said that, hey, am I going to do something for you now, but I'm going to allow you to eat at my table always. Not to mention all the other things. If you, if you go back up from 13 uh, in the previous verses, you can see what else uh, that David gave to Mephibosheth. Provided, uh, I think it was provided some of the things that belonged to Saul, provided him some servants, and then told the servants that had many sons uh, that, hey, you're going to serve this man, this man that's lame in his feet, this man that doesn't have no money, uh, but you know, he, you, you provide him with different things, but yet he's still going to eat at my table always uh, as he would want. So true kindness is lasting. And that actually, that's actually the last point there that, that is, as I walk through the story, but I wanted to, to walk through that story, and I want us to see that because there's all kind of stories in God's word that we can see uh, these things played out uh, that God has called us to be. And when we are lined uh, of what we're to be, we need to look at some of these stories and we can learn from God's word. The Old Testament is important. The Old Testament is breathed out uh, God's word. It is something we can learn and grow from as we can see in this story here. But I want us to look here as we kind of start wrapping up. And as Brandon says it before, that everything in God's word from the front to the back, it all points to Christ. Every story, everything points us of how and what Christ has done for us. So now that we've kind of looked and seen uh, this story of what David did for Mephibosheth, I want us to look at it as you and I as believers in Christ and, and that we can know and what we can take and apply to our lives in this. And we'll just kind of walk through this. But the thing that and what allows us to, to show a true act of kindness, what allows us uh, to bear the fruit is because we've been shown a true act of kindness. You see, that, that's what makes us different. You know, as, I, as we were talking earlier, some of those, that man, he may have not been shown a, a true act of kindness, but you and I can't say that. Even if we haven't been shown a true act of kindness from another brother and sister, from someone in this world, we've been shown a true act of kindness of God the Father when he sent God the Son to die on the cross for our sins. The perfect true act of kindness. So you and I have experienced that. You and I can know what a true act of kindness and how we're to be because we've experienced that. And in this story, in this story, now think of this, in this story of David and Mephibosheth, this is a picture of you and I, right? This is a picture of you and I and how God has, has shown a true act of kindness uh, for us because we can relate that you and I are Mephibosheth, right? As it says in the story, Mephibosheth was crippled in his feet because he, because he had fallen. And in that same way, you and I are crippled in our feet because we too are fallen. We live in a fallen world. But in that, Mephibosheth had fallen because of some of the decisions that his, his father's grand, grandfather had made. And also we can relate to that as some of the decisions that, that the sin of the world has, has, has affected us as we're born into it. Uh, but you and I can relate to this story. And, and just like Mephibosheth was, was crippled in his ways and, and because he had fallen, you and I were like that as well. But also notice how Mephibosheth didn't warrant the kindness of David. He didn't deserve it. There was nothing that he had done for David to deserve uh, this true act of kindness. And we can also look at that story and know that there's nothing that we've done in the life that we live to deserve the kindness of God. God has chosen just like David did in this story. He's chosen and he's searched and he's extended that act of kindness to us just as David had extended it uh, to Mephibosheth. Some of us find it hard to show it because it hasn't been shown to us, as just mentioned before. But the thing that we can't do, we can't allow that to affect the decisions that we make today. Some of us in here today are affected by decisions that, that others have made 
whether it be a parent, whether it be a spouse, whether it be a brother or sister, someone in the world, uh, we're affected by that. As, as Mephibosheth was affected in his story and how he was lame in both feet. But the thing that we have to realize is whatever's happened to us in the past doesn't affect what God can do for us in the future. We can't allow those things in our life that to drag us down and keep us from doing the things of God. We can't allow uh, those things because we don't know how to love or we don't know how to, how to show kindness because we've never been shown those things. Well, we, we can know that God has shown that kindness to us. He has loved us. He is a father that does love us. And even after uh, Mephibosheth and all of this, can, you know, we can look at him and know where he probably felt like life was, was at the end. Life was, was at wit's end. There was nothing else for him to do. That's the way he's going to die. He's going to die with these crippled legs, with, with not being wealthy because of what had happened to him in the past. And, man, there's so many people out there to now or so many people out there today that feel the same way. They feel by what things happened to them in the past that, hey, that's the way they're always going to be. But see, what happens with you and I is, is we're to strive to be more like godly and we, we go out and we show these acts of kindness to these people is it begins to impact them, as we talked about earlier. And it begins to show them, hey, that this ain't the way it's always got to be. It doesn't matter what happened in your past. It doesn't matter who mistreated you this way or that way. Because you, just like Mephibosheth did, the God the Father has prepared a place at the table for you. And you can sit at the king's table for the rest of time. Not only just today, but as David told Mephibosheth, here on out, it's yours. That's your place. So every time you come and eat at the Lord's table, you sit there. And we can know that and we can see that. And I called Craig up here earlier because, you know, as I, was, as I was going through the story, it made me think of him and how uh, Craig, for years now, has, has lived, um, you know, not the life I'm sure that he thought that he would, he would live. Maybe a life that he may have sometimes thought, hey, I'm, I don't deserve this. I wish I didn't have to, have to live this way. But yet, Craig and, and God reached down and he brought Craig to the well. And God extended. It's nothing that we've done. It's nothing that, that I've done. It's nothing Warren done. It's nothing that Brandon done. The church but it's God using us to show that act of kindness to this brother and drawing him and allowing him to sit at the table with the king. Because before Craig, he probably had doubt and, hey, man, I'm going to die this way. I'm going to live this way the rest of my life. But now that God has given him the truth, now that he's called him out all that in the same way that David called Mephibosheth out, we're able to see that, not only in this story, but Craig's life. So you and I can know that whatever side of the whatever side of the fence we're on there, whether we're the ones that's struggling with that, whether we're the ones that's been impacted by the past, or whether we're the ones that need to go out and give that hope to those people in the world that we live in today, whatever, whichever it is, there's a place at the table. And you and I have been called to not only be good people, you men in here are not only called to be good men in your marriage, but you've been called to be godly men. We've all in here been called to bear this fruit. We've all been called as, as parents to lead our family. But it extends further than that. Not only have we been called to show this to our family, but it's also we've also been called to show it to others in the world that we live in. As David showed it to Mephibosheth, if you would just please stand. As David showed it to Mephibosheth, he extended beyond the walls of his family because he knew that God would want him to show the kindness uh, to this man so my prayer today is is that if you've not been living your life if you've, if you've gotten distracted and you've been living it as a good person and you're thinking good's enough but you've not necessarily been living it as a godly person that we do that but notice in that picture we had saw earlier notice what notice what Mephibosheth done whenever he come before David after he realized that David David's not going to kill me David said, don't fear. But as he come up to David and, and notice, what did it say he'd done? He fell on his face. He humbled himself before David. And we can see that. I don't want you to miss that today because a lot of us today need to come before the Lord and we need to humble ourselves today. 
as Mephibosheth went and, and humbled himself before David. Mephibosheth didn't go up to David and be like, hey, thank you, man, I deserve that. I'm, I've been waiting on that break. He didn't do that. He went up before the king and he humbled himself and said, God, I'm unworthy of this. Why are you doing this? Some of us today may need to do that. We need to go before the king and say, God, forgive me. I don't deserve this. I don't deserve your continual seeking of me, even though I never seek you. But I can't say I want to start. You men in here that don't come in here on Wednesday night or are not a part of the church in any other way, but here on Sunday morning, maybe it's now's the time for you to say, I want to, I want to come in here with these men. I want to start seeking the Lord. I want somebody to hold me accountable. Because until we do those things, until we desire to be godly men, until we desire to be godly women, until we desire to be godly youth, godly kids, we're not going to bear the fruit. We're not going to show that act of kindness as David showed Mephibosheth. We're not going to be impactful to the world. We're just going to be a part of the world. But we must set out and try to show and try to be what God has called us to be. And I said try. No, it's not try. It's be because God has enabled us to do that. It's not, as Brandon said last week, it's not workspace, but it's a decision of us pursuing God and then God will take it from there. So we, we need to do that today. We need to pursue after the things of God and be godly people. Let us pray. Our Father, Lord, we just thank you for this day. Father, I thank you for your truth. Lord, I thank you for your story of King David and Mephibosheth. Lord, and how it teaches us, Lord, you don't just give us words that we're to try, to try to figure out what they mean and what they look like, Lord. But, Lord, you give us these stories, of, and it shows the importance of the Old Testament of many say today that it's not. But, Lord, we're able to see this true act of kindness. And, Lord, we're able to know that, 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 that David is a type of you, Lord, and we're able to know that and how he extended that Mephibosheth, Lord, you extend that to us. So, Father, I pray today for our people, Lord. I pray, Father, for those that, that are just trying to be good. Lord, I pray that they know today that good's not good enough. Lord, as if we said before, good people are in hell. But, Lord, I pray their true desire is to be godly, Lord. I pray that it's not about coming in here and on Sunday and just being in a repetition, Lord, and and saying, I went to church so that I can go and do the next thing. Father, I pray that we don't get consumed with the traditional piece of it week in and week out. And we fail to pursue after you, Lord. We fail to, to experience the change that you're making. We fail to bear the fruit that you've called us to bear, Father. So I pray for, for our people. I pray for me, Lord. I pray that I would be outspoken for you and every opportunity that I had Lord I would tell others every opportunity that I had I would show others the, that act of, of kindness that true act of kindness and Lord I pray today that Father there's some in here that may need to humble themselves before you that may have Father walked away or or were just satisfied with being good Lord I pray Father, that they would humble yourself as Mephibosheth did before David. And Lord, that they would realize that it's, it's nothing that we do to deserve it. But Father, it's your love for us as David had that love for Mephibosheth. And lastly, Lord, I just pray that there's no one in here today that leaves without knowing that you've got a, ta you've got a place at the table for them, Lord. There's some today that doesn't have not tasted and seen that you're good, Lord. They don't, uh, they, they don't truly know the love of God, Lord. And I pray, Father, that there's someone here today, Lord, that, Father, they wouldn't continue in those ways and be satisfied with the ways of the world. They wouldn't be distracted by everything that's going on. They wouldn't be consumed with themselves. But, Lord, they would be consumed with you. And, Lord, they would sit at the table that you prepared for them. Lord, we love you. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for your word. And so good it is, Lord. So rich your word is. So rich this story is. And Lord, so much more that I'd even, I wasn't even able to get into of this story. But we can learn more about you. And I pray that our people have that desire. 
to learn and be godly. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Standing at a distance in the shadow of your shame, there's a light of hope that's shining to come and take your place. Bring it. say thank you to everyone for coming out today. I hope you were blessed through the Word of God. Uh, 
blessed through our worship time together. Uh, let's let's pray as we dismiss. Lord, we uh, we love you, Lord. Lord, we thank you for this word today, Lord. We thank you, Lord, uh, that we can come to your table, Lord, that we have nothing to offer, Lord, and you'll still allow us to come and sit at the king's table, Lord, to be there with you, Lord. I pray, Lord God, that you would uh, bless your people, Lord. Lord, I pray that your people would realize how much they need you, Lord, and how much they need your love, Lord, and that through the cross, Lord, through the grace that you've given us, Lord, we would share that love to our to our brothers and sisters, Lord. Help us to love our neighbors, Lord. Help us to love like you, Christ. Help make us more like you, Lord. Again, we thank you for the message and we praise you, Lord. We pray that you would be with your people as we go, Lord. We pray that you would bless our week, Lord. Again, we thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>